Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that as we open up the scriptures, that you would talk to us. That if there's any part of our hearts that is just untouched by you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, or that you would challenge us. Lord, we thank you that you speak. And Lord, I pray that these words would not be mine, they would be yours. And we'll give you all the credit for what you're going to do. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, like Dr. Cody said, my name is Scott Billings. And just Dr. Cody and and staff, thank you so much for inviting me. It really is an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you today. Like he said, we're starting a brand new church in the Treasure Valley in South Boise called Boise Church. You can check us out, boise.church. We have YouTube blog and all that other fun stuff. You can catch up on our story. But it's a new thing that God is doing with us. I've only been, and my family has only been in the valley for three months. So we are brand spanking new. And actually, I have a picture of my family. They're so cute. So Danica, if you want to go ahead and pull that up. There they are. Uh, We have my lovely wife, Jackie, uh, of 11 years. And sorry, I had to think about that really quick. Uh, (laughs) I want to get that right. Um, And then three kids. They're lovely. They're awesome. That's us at the fair. We've been loving it here, and God is calling us to take a step of faith and start something new. And for me, this is, uh, this is, I'm like right in the middle of it. So it's all really fresh. It's all really new. It's all really exciting. And it's something that, well, you could say that it's an adventure. How many of you guys love road trips? Raise your hand. Yes, yes. See, I love road trips. My family loves road trips. And last year, we probably had the most insane, adventurous road trip that I've had in a long time. So we're here, like we're going to Colorado, we're seeing the sights, and this was, day, this was the, the day we're coming back. Crazy stuff was happening. There's this guy, we're at a gas station, and there's all this brush that's about yay high, and it goes all the way along the backside of the gas station, and this biker, and he's smoking, and then he takes his cigarette butt, and he flicks it. And I'm in the truck, literally right here, from me to you. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden, you guessed it. Whoosh! Huge fire breaks out, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, no, this is not good. The propane tanks are literally like 40 feet away. And the brush leads all the way up to that. So I jump out of the truck, and my wife is like, what's going on? Where did he go? (laughs) I rush inside to the gas station. I'm like, hey, call 911. We got a fire out back. Do you have a fire extinguisher? The lady's like, uh, like, fire extinguisher. Hello, fire extinguisher. Need a fire extinguisher. She finally gets it. I run back out, hop over the fence, and got it all out. It was crazy big. I was like, Lord, that was exciting. <laughs> and as like, and as this is this is how it gets even funnier. And as I'm putting out the last bits of the fire that has basically gone over this whole backside of the gas station, the biker guy is obviously in shock. 
He's obviously not all there. So he's like sitting there like with his lighter and with his, with his cigarette pack. And he has the audacity. I kid you not, true story. He has the audacity to tell me, hey, you, you missed a spot. You're the reason this whole thing. Anyways, like I was like, are you serious right now? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? That was super exciting. And my, my middle child, she said, hey, dad, you forgot something. And I said, what? You forgot your super suit. That was really cool. <laughs> really fun, right? And then I want to go to the gas station to get a drink because, you know, heroes need soda. And so, <laughs> but they, clo they closed it. And I'm like, hello, can I get a soda? They're like, no, we're closed. I'm like, I, okay. But then, but then like, there's this other guy, this name Woodrow that comes up. He's got car trouble. He's like, hey, I'm a law student going to North Dakota. Can you help me? So I help him with his car, and then just the next day, we go to the lake, and there's this poor family that runs their Escalade into the lake, <laughs> and we're like, well, we got to help them. So you can tell that road trip was an adventure. It was pretty exciting. And my question to you is this, how many of us look at our walk of faith as an adventure? See, in the book of Acts, in the passage that we're in, Saul, later to be known as Paul, he is trashing the Christian church. And you guys know this story. He's a Pharisee, lawyer, super zealous, super hungry, wanting to serve God. He consented to Stephen's death. Saul is causing havoc in the Jerusalem church. He is church public enemy number one. But God has different plans. So turn with me to Acts chapter 9, either on your phone or in your Bible. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, nobody think about Mandalorian right now, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, Damascus and Jerusalem are about 130 miles apart. There's no bus route at this time. This is the first century. Saul is going to be leading a raid. And he's going to bring all these people back to Jerusalem. He's going to drag them all back. Verse 3. And now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God... You could say, and this is just because I have young kids, God put Saul in timeout. <laughs> Saul, why are you persecuting me? He repeats his name twice. And when you mess with God's people, you mess with God. Saul is completely stopped dead in his tracks, verse 5. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now Saul asks a very profound question here. Who are you, Lord? He knew it was God, but he didn't know who God was. And he says it's Jesus. Verse 6, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now, pause there really quick. It would have been nice, God, if you had given me the rest of the information, 
it would have been great, God, to, to fill in some of the gaps on what you're doing here. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. Oftentimes, God doesn't tell us everything at once, just what we need to get to the next step. And here, verse 7, and the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. So his entourage is freaking out. Verse 8, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate or drank. This mighty man doing God's work, at least he thought he was doing God's work, is now being led by the hand because he's blind. And in the first century, if you were blind, it was destination for poverty. He's a Pharisee. He's a lawyer. Like, he, things are good. And now he's, now, he's, now he's destined for poverty. At least maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of extrapolating a little bit there. But he can't see anything. And so he's in his timeout phase. And can I just encourage you guys, when God gives you a, a direction or maybe stops you or just gives you one piece of information and then you're waiting for the next step, that in-between time, that's really important time. That's really important prep time. That God is still working in you and God can work in me. And I'm sure, and it, the passage of Acts tells us later that Paul is praying I'm sure Paul prayed and was talking to God and maybe even asking questions like, God, why did you do this? God, am I, am I ever going to see again? This whole Jesus thing, it's, it's real? I'm sure he's really going through the ringer here. Everything that he thought he knew is no longer it. He completely has been turned, well, right side up, if you will. Verse at 10, and now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Now when the Bible says behold, and you guys are Bible students, so you know this, it means pay attention to this. Check this out. Who is Saul at this point in time? He is public church enemy number one. So I want to get in your mind of what the public church enemy number one is today to help us contemporize this and feel it a little bit. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, Richard Dawkins, famous scientist that is completely anti-Christian. Maybe it's, it's like North Korea is not too friendly to Christians, so if you live in North Korea and you're a Christian, like that's tough, right? Maybe that's what you think public church enemy number one is. Or maybe Afghanistan. Or, or maybe it's the political candidate that you voted for that, didn't, uh, that, that, that you didn't vote for that, that ended up winning, <laughs> right? What is public church enemy number one? So maybe it would, like, pretend Osama bin Laden is still alive. What if Osama bin Laden was still alive and then you get a vision from God and it says, hey, Osama bin Laden is praying. You should go talk to him. Mm-mm. <laughs> Not doing it, Lord. Or King Jong Yu from North Korea, behold, he is praying. I want you to get on a plane. I want you to go to North Korea. I want you to talk to him. Yeah, I don't know about that, God. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to do that. Or maybe bring a little closer to home. 
I guarantee you, public church enemy number one is not your dorm roommate, okay? Maybe some of you think that, okay? It is not your roommate. But God is saying, look, behold, he is praying. Go to him. And Ananias has that similar reaction. Lord, I've heard many, I've heard much about this man, how much evil he's done. And Ananias is effectively saying, God, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? And I love God's response, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, this chosen instrument phrase could also be translated vessel, and vessels carry things. And in Saul, inside is going to be the name of Christ and the message of the gospel. And he's going to use Saul to carry that message to non-Jews, to kings, to political leaders, and to the nation of Israel. That's the call. But he speaks that call to Ananias, not to Saul. He speaks it to Ananias, who's going to tell Saul, oh, and by the way, it's going to be hard. By the way, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him said, brother Saul, which I think is so cool because remember, Saul used to kill Christians just last week. Remember that. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias comes and gives him those details in verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, and taking food was strengthened, and for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. Saul is healed, Saul gets baptized, he believes, and he gets his mission, he gets his call. And kudos to the believers there, by the way. Like, I don't know, I mean, just let's just be honest. Like, how many of us would say, oh, um, former killer of Christians, uh, now you're a Christian? Right. <laughs> like, I think you just want to find out where we hang out. No, they invite him in and they bring him in. Many times, God doesn't, I mean, I wouldn't say he doesn't often do this. Sometimes he does. God doesn't often speak to us audibly or through visions. It happens, I, I, I think. It does happen. But he does speak to us by the Spirit. He does speak to us by the Holy Spirit. God guides us directly through the scriptures, through his Holy Spirit. God guides us through other believers, like Ananias, other Christians, maybe even a message or a teaching that just strikes you and you're like, I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) But it's speaking to you. Or God can guide us through providential circumstances where everything seems to line up or everything just stops lining up. You guys been there? Where you try and try and try and it's not happening. And you're like, I think God might be trying to tell me something. (laughs) See, God talks to us today. And when we talk about God guiding us, I don't think that we're concerned. And this is just, I just want to share my heart. I don't think we're concerned about the stuff we know in the scriptures. The Great Commission. Love God. Love people. When we talk about God's call, we want to know what our call is. We want to know what our specific call is. And I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you guys. 
This season of your life is so special. It's special because you get this concentrated time to prepare, to, to train, to get ready for those things that God has for you. This is special time. This is very, very treasure this time. And a lot of people that I know that are your age and even my age and maybe even older than me, they ask this question, what if I don't know my call? Yeah, I know I'm supposed to follow Jesus and my personal relationship, yeah, but what if I don't know my call? Remember, God calls us his sons and daughters before he calls us into ministry. That relationship with Jesus is your number one call. It is your number one call. And out of that, again, the Bible says in John 15, I am the vine, Jesus speaking, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, catch this, you can do nothing. When we abide with Jesus, and I know that sounds really cliche, and I don't mean it to, but when we abide with Jesus, then Jesus starts to grow that fruit in us. And Jesus starts to guide us and to, and to take care of us. And you may say, thank God, I still don't know my call. <laughs> I still don't know my specific call. You know what the biggest worry I think is, especially with people trying to discern what the will of God is for their life? What if I'm wrong? What if I don't know how to hear from God? What if, what if I'm in sin that I don't even know and it's blocking that connection with God and I don't even realize it? What, what if I missed it? What if it's just me talking to me and it's not God? What if it's, what if it's Satan talking to me, right? <laughs> we have all these worries and we have all these concerns and I want everybody to do this at the same time. You ready? Take a deep breath. I'm serious. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Grace is so key to this. Because when you abide with Jesus and you continually look to him and want to follow him, grace is there. And grace will help you and grace will guide you. You can't tell me that you've never made a mistake that God's grace can't cover. I think sometimes when we talk about the will of God, we think we have to get from point A to point B to point C to point, oh, I missed point D. It's all over. I'm not called anymore. I'm done. You guys feeling me? You guys know what I'm talking about? That's actually not grace. That's works. God wants to lovingly lead you and lovingly guide you. And I'm not talking about mistakes because of sin. I'm not talking about mistakes because of immaturity. No, I'm talking about those honest to God, you prayed your guts out, you, it lined up with scripture, and it was just not it. God's grace can cover you. God's grace can, can cover that. Now, you may think, Scott, I've never seen Jesus in the flesh like Saul. I've never had a vision. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't think I've even seen a miracle. What now? I know, Christian, that you have heard God's voice at least once. Guaranteed more than once, but at least once. You want to know how I know that? It's because when you first came to Christ, you heard his voice. When you fully devoted yourself to Jesus and there was that 
I, this is it. I need to surrender everything to God. I need to surrender everything in my life to him. I know you heard his voice. That's what God starts with. That's what God does with you and me. And God is not, God doesn't want to trick you. God isn't going to be like, hey, I'm going to lead Scott and Jackie to Boise, and they're going to, oh, never mind. Like, never mind, JK. God doesn't do that. God loves you. God wants, to, God wants to encourage you in the call that he has for you. If you don't trust yourself to hear from God, then trust God to reach you as you seek him, as you talk to him, as you reach out to him, because the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God knows, Christian, guess what? God knows how to reach you. God knew what it took to reach Saul. It's kind of dramatic, right? Vision, blindness, right? It's kind of dramatic. God knows how to reach you. And you're thinking about maybe a specific situation in your mind about, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like, I don't know what's happening. Can I just encourage you? If it lines up with scripture and you got peace about it and other people are encouraging you and affirming that and the circumstances start to line up, can I, can I encourage you something? Get ready, you ready? Take a chance. <laughs> Take a risk. Take a risk in faith. See what God would do. I like to think of it this way. Prayerfully explore what God might have for you. Prayerfully explore what God might do with you. For me, and this is just really personal, for me, when I was a teenager, I felt... God telling me he wanted me to be a pastor. It was just, it was crazy how it happened. It was, it was just like, just God put something in my heart, like, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And then I asked God this question. I was a 17-year-old, you ready? I asked God, God, I really want to go to Bible college. Can I go to Bible college? You know what he told me? No. Now that's my call. That's my track. And I'll be honest, like when I see you guys like at college, like here on campus and you're going to class, I'm just a teensy jealous, right? Just an itty bitty weedy jealous. I guess it's never too late, right? I could always enroll, right? Faculty's like, yes, you should do it. (laughs) But that was my call. And over the next 12 to 14 years, I simply volunteered in youth ministry. I love youth ministry. I love college age students. I love seeing you guys discover what God has for you. I love that. And over the next 12 to 14 years, I was trained by pastors at my home church. They were so good to train me and mentor me. And then God started giving me opportunities to to teach and to counsel people and to disciple people. And all that time, I went to uh, the University of Arizona. I got my electrical engineering degree. So in parallel, I did that, and I started my engineering career. And for 10 years, I no joke, but he wasn't lying at the beginning. I literally worked in a bomb factory. That's wild. (laughs) That's pretty wild. And at 30 years old, I had this, I don't know, I just had this this sense that God was going to do something different. I was 30 and I recognized in classic engineering form, okay, God, if I live to be 90, the first third of my life is over. And I am now entering the second third of my life. 
God is blessing me with my engineering career. I'm volunteering. I'm a lay pastor at my church. It's wonderful. I really enjoy it. But God, if there's anything else you have for me, I'm open. And no joke, six weeks later, my executive pastor said, hey, we want you to come work for us full-time at the church. I didn't tell him any of this. <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> right? I prayed. The answer came rather quickly. Maybe I should. I think I'm going to do it. Because I knew that that's what God had called me to do. And so I went on staff as the media pastor and the youth pastor. And I was there for seven years. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You see, God got my attention to get me to the next step. Even at 17 years old and little Scotty wanted to be a pastor, God knew where he was taking me. God knew my next steps and I just followed. And even though I wasn't technically a pastor, I trained. I learned the skills. I got excellent mentorship because it didn't matter about the position. I just wanted to do what God wanted me to do. I wanted to help people. I wanted to, to, to help people and help them discover. And how does Paul, i.e. Saul, I may use those interchangeably and I apologize, how does Saul go from persecutor to proclaimer and how does this story help us in the 21st century? I love this. You guys ready? You know how, especially for those of you in preaching class, you know that the text needs to wreck you first before you preach? Well, this wrecked me, okay? So I'm just letting you know. This is good. Saul started without knowing all the answers. Saul had what he needed to move forward. Now, you and I, we have the privilege in seeing Acts chapter 10. This is what happens. Acts chapter 11, this is what happens. There is no sign over your classroom or over your dorm room that says, what, what's your name right here? What's that? Hunter. Hunter. There's no sign that says Hunter witnesses to Mormons today over his dorm room. There is no sign that says, what's your name right here? Brawlin. There's no sign that says Brawlin shares Jesus with Muslim today. And we see chapter 11, we see chapter 12. You want to know why? Because Saul didn't have that. We have the benefit of seeing things in hindsight. And Saul didn't know all the answers. You know what happens in verse 20? He immediately starts preaching. He immediately starts preaching. And remember who Saul is at this point. He's a Pharisee. He's a lawyer. He's a killer of Christians. He's a presser of the church. He had an encounter with Jesus. He had a vision. He was healed of blindness. And at this point, he did not write half the New Testament. At this point in his life, he didn't plant a single church. He hasn't even preached a single gospel message yet. He has no converts. <laughs> Nothing. But he starts because he has what he needs to move forward. Saul heeds the call and he starts. And as you start, Christian, as you start, God will get you to the next step and to the next one and to the next one. For those of you that are type A and are planners like myself, that is so irritating. <laughs> but God gets us to the next step. And Paul illustrates this, and I'll just cover this, we're running out of time. Acts chapter 16, you know, Paul's on his missionary journey, and he tries to go to Asia, and God says no. He tries to go to Bithynia, and God says no. And he's like, well, we're not going backwards. Let's go this way. And then he gets a vision, says we sh this man from Macedonia. So then he concludes, 
well, God said no this way, God said no this way, we're not going backwards, we're going forwards, maybe we're supposed to go to Macedonia. And they conclude that God wants them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Guys, God guides at different ways in different times and seasons in your life, but he always guides. He always gets you to the next step. And for those of you here, like your step to start may have been just coming here to Bible college, and you are training, and you're getting that mentorship, and you're preparing but the principle of starting and continuing a faith is really, it really hits home for me because as a church planter, you know how many people are at our church right now? 14. You know what? That's more than two. <laughs> That's more than two. Even though that I don't have all the answers and even though that I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going to start. And I'm going to see what God's going to do. Because if, if you wait for God's direction to make sense 100%, you may miss an opportunity that God has for you. That's how you walk in faith. Because if you had 100% of the answers, you had 100% of the facts, that wouldn't be a step of faith. That would be a step of knowledge. Faith, by definition, is not knowing all the answers and trusting in the one who does. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> Not knowing what's going to happen, it's exciting, it's exhilarating. What could God do? What could God do? Guys, really, what I said before, treasure this season. Treasure this season. God is going to speak to you. God is going to speak to you all the time. God is going to guide you. And for those of you that that don't know your call, you don't know what God wants you to do next, a couple of things. Number one, what's the last thing you remember that God told you? You got it? Good. Have you done that yet? See, God wants to use you. He loves you so much. And I know the faculty here and the professors, guys, they, I know they love you. I know they care for you. If you need somebody to bounce ideas off of or to pray with or whatever the case may be, and I myself am available too, I would love to talk with you, grab coffee or whatever. I would love to, to help you in this walk of faith. And if my story and walk of faith is any encouragement to you, then praise God because God is the one that's doing the work. Maybe, maybe you need clarity for the next step. Maybe you need to prayerfully explore some things. Maybe you need to prayerfully explore some things. Maybe you need to take a risk in faith. Maybe you need to stop doing something so that you can pivot to something else, big or small. My prayer is that you would start by faith and that God would give you that clarity. Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we are ask or think According to the power to work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Christian, my prayer is that you would start in faith. And that you would seek him for guidance and direction for your next step. Can I pray for you? I'm so excited for what God has for you. Can I pray for you? Let's all pray together. Lord, we thank you. For your word. We thank you for your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would grant clarity 
to the unique call and what you have placed in people's hearts here today. Lord, I pray that that they would sense your love and your grace. Lord, if there's things they need to repent from, that they would repent from those things and they would turn to you. Lord, that, that we could simply abide. And Lord, I pray that if there are specific things, big or small, that you are calling us to take the next step in, I pray you would give us that boldness to do so. And Lord, that we would be encouraged that you love us and that you're gonna guide us. And we thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.